I'm Damian Bulwa, Managing Editor of the San Francisco Chronicle. Today on Fifth and Mission, rolling power outages hit the Bay Area amid a historic heat wave. Our lead energy reporter, J.D. Morris, is here to talk about the latest on the outages, why they're happening, whose fault it is, and what you can do to help out by conserving energy. J.D., how are you? You know, I am hanging in there. How about you? I am okay. My house is not exactly a cool place to be. How about you? Uh, I'm in San Francisco, so it's definitely not uh, nearly as hot as where you're at and a lot of the rest of the state, but hotter than normal for sure. You know, I live in Petaluma. Um, You used to live out here, and um, a few hours ago it was pouring rain, thunderstorms, and now it's uh, scorching again. J.D., you've been working all day on the outage issue, which people are so frustrated by to lose power. And it comes right after we uh, we've had these preemptive wildfire related outages. And here it's sort of like, here we go again. Yeah. So certainly from the customer's perspective, when you lose power, you lose power. So it they'll experience them similarly um, to how the fire safety shutoffs happened last year. But it's important for everyone to note that this is actually a totally different issue. So with PG&E's, um, they call them public safety power shutoffs, but the shutoffs of last year that we saw, those are all about preventing power lines from starting horrible wildfires when it gets really windy and dry, which is exactly what happened during the Kincaid fire, the Camp fire, and the Wine Country fires before that. Um, this is is, some, is a whole other beast. What's happening right now is a much more um, uh, basic supply and demand problem. The simplest way to put it is California, for reasons that are still not fully clear, um, says it does not have enough power to give to everyone who is demanding it right now during this um really intense heat wave. So they implement rolling the grid managers, not PG&E, the grid managers at the California Independent System Operator um, call for rolling blackouts in order to prevent like the whole state's grid from collapsing, right? Because if you just didn't do anything, um, you know, it could all come crashing down. So JD, we're talking late Monday. What is the latest on the outages uh, how many people have been hit and how many can expect to be hit? So it's, uh, yeah, um, the last I heard is that PG&E and the other utilities, other big utilities, do plan to um, uh, implement more uh, rolling outages. And it is shaping up to be pretty clearly um, much worse than what happened on Friday and Saturday. I forget what the, what the total numbers were for the sale on Friday and Saturday, but it was about 20 or 220,000 homes and businesses um, on Friday in PG&E's area that were affected. Um, this time, uh, not, I don't know exactly what it's going to be for PG&E, but there's a 4,400 um, megawatt energy shortage that they're forecasting, which is like, I think the governor said it's like 10 times as worse as what we saw over the weekend. Um, so it, it, it's going to be bad, and they've told folks to prepare for more blackouts um, on Tuesday as well. Not sure about Wednesday yet. Okay. So, and I, th- I think uh, we're reporting that millions of people could be affected 
um, during the heat wave. Yeah, like three point um, three million homes and businesses, roughly statewide. Wow, wow. Okay, so Governor Newsom spoke today, JD. What did he say? Um, he said that this is an unacceptable situation, and the state has to get to the bottom of it. Um, he, uh, I think, like a lot of other people, is. Uh, angry to see that this is happening. He declared an emergency, though, um, tried to free up a a little bit of extra power um, to kind of ease some of the burden um, on the grid, but nowhere close to enough to prevent the blackouts from happening because the shortfall is just really large today. Um, And then he... uh, And what does that mean when he says free up electricity? So if you drill into the details of the executive order, the main thing it does really is... um, uh, it, it, it has to do with ships at ports. So basically the way I read it is like ships at the ports don't have to like plug into the grid. Um, they can use, you know, uh, backup power and, uh, other ways. So, um, it's a relatively narrow, um, thing he's doing there, which is why I was stressing that it's nowhere close to enough to allow, uh, to, to prevent the rolling blackouts. Um, but the other thing the governor's doing is, um, he uh, called for, you know, a, a state investigation to get to the bottom of what's happening. And um, it looks like that's happening. OK. And by saying that, he's really saying this is a failure, that we shouldn't be in this position. right? Totally. That's almost literally what he's saying. OK. And the last time we had rolling outages, you know, I keep thinking about the last couple of years. And thanks for reminding us that this is a totally different thing. But was it was in the crisis, right, of 2001 the deregulation crisis in California when we had those rolling blackouts that were so frustrating. Yeah, so this absolutely um, harkens back to the um, Enron era uh, energy crisis of the early 2000s in California. It is the first time that we've had rolling blackouts since 2001. But JD, ever since then, we've had some pretty bad heat waves. what happened this time that that didn't happen in those other cases when we were able to get through? Right. So there was a really bad heat wave in 2006, which um, I believe, you know, got things got quite a bit hotter. And just, you know, it, it, it has been hotter in, in California before. I mean, I remember when it was 106 degrees in San Francisco, um, like three years ago, I think it was crazy. Um what what's happening right now though is that it's it, it's a very widespread heat wave across not only all of California but the whole Western United States, and unlike in two thousand six when we had this um, you know horrible heat wave, then um, the state of California doesn't have as much uh, of its own like power generating ability as it did back then. So one easy example is the San Onofre nuclear power plant down in South Orange County um, has closed and is no longer generating power that we can use in the state. Um, I believe there are other examples, non-nuclear examples um, of things like that. So so just the, the nature of, you know, California's energy mix has shifted pretty dramatically um, and it, it, it's, it's still evolving and we're still figuring that out. Um, so that's very different. Um, and also, uh, you know, a norm, I think in, in on a more normal day, a, m- a more normal week, um, you know, when, when the temperatures start to go up and the demand goes up um, along with that, um, California would 
try to bring in power from other places, um, but that's not as much of an option for us right now because the places where we would go to get that power need it for themselves because they are also experiencing this very widespread prolonged heat wave. So it's a mess. All right, JD, let's take a quick break. This is Fifth and Mission. We'll be right back. You can support Fifth and Mission and the newsroom that creates it by signing up for unlimited Chronicle access at sfchronicle.com slash pod. Welcome back to Fifth and Mission. I'm Damian Bulwa, and I'm talking to reporter J.D. Morris about the rolling blackouts that have hit California. J.D., one thing you heard in the last couple of days that, that frustrated people, but also uh, officials is there was little warning about what happened. How come? <laughs> oh, that's a very good question. And something that I'm still trying to understand um, myself. Um, I, I think part of it has to do with the fact that it's been almost 20 years since we got anywhere close to um, having to institute rolling blackouts. Um, so before we get to the point where rolling blackouts are implemented. The grid managers at the California Independent System Operator issue what's called a flex alert, which is basically a call for voluntary um, energy conservation. They're basically, they're asking everyone to please, you know, use less power so that we don't uh, come, you know, have a shortage. And um, those are just not typically pushed out via, you know, push alerts like Amber Alert style wireless warnings or, you know, uh, opt-in messages, emergency messages from local government agencies. Um, I, frankly, I think they probably should be um, if, if it really is that big of a deal, but that's just not how they're um, announced. Um, and then uh, after a flex alert, you know, if, if the uh, ISO is still seeing that demand going up and a potential problem looming, then they get to what's called stage two or stage three emergencies. And a stage three emergency is, is when the ISO tells PG&E and other utilities that they have to um, shed, uh, shed load, um, which means, you know, do uh, rotating power outages. And then uh, the utilities decide how to do that. Uh, my understanding is that they basically get an, a, a number from the ISO saying you have to reduce your um, you know, load by this many megawatts, and then they figure out how to do that. Let's drill down into that a little more. The ISO has a ton of power in California. Can you sort of explain to us how the system works and, and, and why? Yeah. So, so PG&E and the other utilities do not, you know, operate in a vacuum, right? The whole grid is is interconnected. So you need some agency that is is separate from the actual power companies to be um, managing the flow of electrons throughout, um, you know, the the whole state. Because um, it's it's not like PG&E's grid is exists in a silo, totally independently of all of the other um, power companies around it. Um, and the so the ISO is a uh, nonprofit organization that um, you know keeps uh, keeps the grid stable, right? There and they're um, managing um, how electrons move throughout um, their grid and uh, you know preventing. The system um, from getting unstable and um, and crashing, which is what can happen when um, 
when you have a, a shortage between supply and demand. And so the way that they account for that is um, by telling utilities to cut power a little bit and do the rolling blackouts. Um, so that's that's what we have today. So I, I think a lot of people who aren't following this closely might see it all as, as coming from PG&E or what have you. But this is actually um, with happening, uh, you know, at the direction of the California ISO. Let's talk a little bit about that conservation piece that you mentioned for people who are being told to conserve or if they want to help, what, what kinds of things can they do? What are they being told to do? The biggest thing is to um, take do as much as you can to use as little energy as possible between the hours of 3 p.m. and 10 p.m. So if, if you don't absolutely need to be using anything electric between 3 and 10, do that. If you have an air conditioner, set your thermostat to 78 degrees. Turn off all um, unnecessary lights in your home. Everyone can do that. Close the blinds. Um, everyone can do that as well. Um, and unplug like chargers and, and, and things that you might have lying around that are plugged in that aren't um, actually, you're not actively using because that adds up a little bit. And just as I said that, I realized that I have something to unplug. <laughs> I would have almost thought that time would have changed given how we've, we've changed our lives. I mean, we, that's the time when you come home and you're doing stuff after you get home from work. Yeah. Um, dishwasher, laundry, and now we're at home all day, but, but I, yes. there's still, I guess, a, lo a load of things. Yeah, and so the other thing about the, you know, the big thing about the 3 and 10 p.m. window, it's like if you have a dishwasher, um, washer and dryer, uh, vacuum, things like that, use those uh, before 3 or after 10 p.m. All right. So before I let you go, I just... It's just what an incredible week, JD. I mean, part of me is is wanting to ask, couldn't we have also had the the uh, preemptive wildfire blackouts this week? I mean, we're sort of lucky, or perhaps if we had them, that would have been good because it would have spared some of the load on the system. Oh gosh, that's an interesting question, actually. Um, yeah, and and you're right. I mean, we are in peak fire season um, right now, um, which is obvious by. Uh, all of the fires currently burning caused by the lightning that we just had. And uh, with that, that also means that PG&E's power shutoffs to prevent fires become more likely. Last I checked, they didn't have any forecast, um, but they, they will absolutely be doing that again this year. So uh, even if we emerge from this week, um, you know, and no more rolling blackouts are in store, uh, you will, or not, not everyone, but a, a lot of people will be losing power um, because of those PG&E fire safety shutoffs too. Yeah, I mean, we get this weather that's uh, it's kind of muggy, tropical, stormy weather that maybe isn't good for fire starting from uh, power lines, but of course we're getting the lightning strikes. Yep. It's it's always something. It is always, always something. Uh, you know, it, and the danger is, is going to remain uh, quite high, unfortunately, until the rains come back. So, think the best we can do is, um, you know, take all of our safety precautions very seriously and hope for a uh, prompt and um, strong start to the rainy season in mid-October or early November. JD, thanks again for joining me. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks to my guest today, Chronicle reporter JD Morris, to King Kaufman for producing this episode, and thank you for listening. 